got a new favorite choir, and that's the one. Amen. Y'all can sing that at my funeral, okay? Uh, That's a great one. We're in the Bible today. If you brought along a copy of God's Word in the book of James, if you don't have a copy, there's one in the pew rack in front of you or near you. And if you don't want to look at it, we'll have it on the screen here in just a few moments, and you can read it with us there. Uh, James chapter 4. Driving to work one morning on the freeway, a man looked over his left... And he saw a woman in a red Mustang driving 85 miles an hour with her face up in the rearview mirror putting on eyeliner. And he silently cussed women drivers and he checked his own rearview mirror uh, to change lanes. When he looked from the rearview mirror back to the road, the woman was halfway over his lane. And it scared him so bad, he dropped his electric razor and his coffee was spilled all over his cell phone. People are rushing through life, aren't they? Multitasking while motoring down the freeway of life has become the norm for so many people. It's become the norm, and perhaps it's the norm for you as well. The sad thing is when you add up a lot of those sorts of days, your life is over before you even realize it. In other words, you get so busy living your life, you never take time to step back and plan out your life. And I want to talk to you about that today, how to plan your life. And to do so, I've got to direct you to God's Word, because it's our only authority. Uh, God's Word here in James chapter 4, it's near the back of the New Testament. And uh, before we get started, I'm just curious in this group as we're talking about planning out a life. How many planners... Do we have here today? In other words, you like to plan out things, your calendar's filled out, uh, you're detail-oriented, you've got goals and things. How many planners are here? Put your hand up high. Okay, there's eight planners here today, all right. How many of you say, listen, I'm not a planner, I just go with the flow, I'm that type of sort of person. Put your hand up high. All right, how many of you not going to put your hand up high for anything I ask you to put your hand up for? You put your hand up. Yeah, we're different. There are those of us who are detail planners. There are others who just kind of go with the flow. But in actuality, all of us are planners. Some of us are just detailed and maybe have it all written down in calendars and graphs and charts. And others, their plan is just to have no plan. And in fact, that is a plan. And so let's look at what God's word has to say today about this idea of how to plan your life, how to plan your life. And we're looking in James chapter four and uh, we'll begin reading there at verse 13. James chapter four, uh, verse 13. You follow along as I read God's word. OK, James chapter four, beginning at verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is Sin. Now, beloved, you notice in verse 13 there that a plan is hatched. And in fact, it is a big plan there in verse 13. It's a business plan in actuality. In fact, verse 13 talks about the idea that they're going to go to such and such a city, 
spend a year, buy and sell and make a profit. Um, the idea here, this could go on tomorrow somewhere in a boardroom or in a coffee house or somewhere. You have a group of colleagues together and they have this discussion. Hey, this afternoon uh, or tomorrow, we're going to head over to Charlotte. Uh, we've rented an apartment for a year. Uh, the product has been shipped and it's been stored in the back of our rented retail space. And we're opening up by next Monday at the very latest. And we're going to do such a wonderful business in this coming year. We're going to be in the black. This time next year, we're going to be in the black and we're going to have a lot of profit. I mean, this could happen tomorrow morning among a group of folks. It's a big plan that they've hatched here in verse 13. But beloved, it's also a bad plan. Now, listen, it's not a bad plan for the reasons you might be thinking. You see, God has no problem with us transacting business and God has no problem with us traveling or buying and selling or even making an honest profit. That's not the reason the plan is bad. The reason the plan is bad is because it leaves God out of the picture. It's a plan that's self-dependent. It's a plan that ignores God. In fact, verse 13 says, we will go. In other words, we will go, we will buy and sell, we will make a profit. And when you listen to that, you have to say, really? I mean, how do you know? How do you know that you're actually going to go tomorrow? How do you know you're going to buy and sell? How do you know you're going to make a profit? This is such a boastful self-dependence here in this verse. It reminds me of a story that I read about a woodpecker. Now, woodpeckers are amazing creatures to me. And a woodpecker landed on a tree and he began to peck away. And suddenly a storm blew up and a bolt of lightning hit that tree, split it down the middle in half and threw the woodpecker to the ground. Well, days momentarily, the woodpecker picked himself up and brushed himself off and he flew away. And a few minutes, he came back with several friends in tow. There it is, boys, he bragged. I did it all by myself. (laughs) And the author I was reading said people who think they can master their own ship and be the captain of their own fate are just as wrongheaded as that bird. Beloved. This plan in verse 13, this business plan ignored God. In fact, it's practical atheism. Now, practical atheism. In other words, they didn't say that there is no God. They didn't say, I don't think there is a God. They just lived like there was no God. And correction comes to them there in verse 14. Look at verse 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So I thought about this verse, this verse 14 this past week. Three thoughts came to mind. I thought about this idea here about our life. And I was reminded that life is a gift. It says, therefore, what is your life? The fact that you're alive today, the fact that I'm alive today is a gift of almighty God. I mean, it's a gift. There are folks who did not wake up this morning. There are folks who are not going to be alive at the end of the day. There are folks who are not alive right now and their families are mourning their loss. But the fact that you and I are alive right now, that is a gift from God. And it should cause us to be thankful for, to, to God. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me life. But as I read this verse and studied, I also realized that life is uncertain. It says that you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Has there ever been a more truthful statement spoken? You do not know What will happen tomorrow? You know, living life is kind of like riding and driving along a curvy road. You ever been on a really curvy road 
And you go around one curve and you switch back to the other curve. And the truth of the matter is you don't know what's coming around the next curve. And that's a lot like how uh, life is as we live life. We're going along and we don't know what's coming around the next bend, around the next curve. That's why the book of Proverbs, verse, uh, chapter 27, verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And so we have to realize that life is uncertain. We need to trust God. But as I kept thinking about verse 14, I also realized and was reminded that life is short. In fact, this verse says it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. This verse compares our life here upon this earth as a vapor or steam or mist or smoke. It's there one moment and gone the next. Kind of like when you walk in on a really cold morning and you go and you see your breath there in front of you for just a second and then it's gone. That's what the Bible says our life is like. It appears as a vapor that vanishes away. It disappears. I read this past week of the average lifespan. In the United States, for men is 76 and for women is 81. Life is short, so we need to serve God. And so this one verse reminds us that life is a gift, so thank God. And life is uncertain, so trust God. And life is short, let's serve God. But the problem was these folks are making this business plan weren't thinking like this. They were busy boasting about their great plans But notice what the Lord says to them in verse 16 and verse 17. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. They didn't realize or recognize or discuss the fact that life is short and life is uncertain. and They're not promised tomorrow. Maybe you're thinking, wow, preacher, you know, this is depressing. I didn't come here today to hear about the fact that my life is short and life is uncertain and and I may not be here tomorrow and other people have already died. I mean, when you advertised your little invites, there said helpful preaching. And then I come and you talk to me about dying and about all these things. Yes, because I can't think of anything more helpful than this. You see, until you realize that life is a gift. Until you realize that life is uncertain, until you realize that life is short, I don't believe you really can live your life and plan your life out. You see, one of the one of the problems with us planning out our lives is we don't look far enough ahead. We're kind of right here or maybe next week. Or or maybe next month, maybe there are some planners who say, oh, I have a 10 year plan or a five year plan. But listen, that's not far enough. Put it another way, as somebody said, we are never really ready to live until we're ready to die. See, when you get that settled and you've got that settled, then you can live your life. One of the worst things you can do is to plan out your life. And live your life without considering God and considering what comes after this life. You see, we have here this idea of a big plan. And it's a bad plan, not because they were going to do business, not because they had some things they wanted to do, but because they ignored God. And so what we have laid out for us here in this passage is really the best plan. And we find the best plan there in verse 15. Instead of self-dependent bragging and boasting about what we're going to do and what we're uh, how we're going to go about it. Notice what God says in verse 15. Instead, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. 
You see, the best plan is involved, involves considering God's will for our life. We need to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ and his control over our lives. The Bible tells us, beloved, that all of us have messed up. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible declares that the wages of sin is death. The reason we have death and sickness and all these things is because we chose to rebel against Almighty God and to sin and to do wrong. And it declares that our sin, our wrongdoing, has separated us from a holy God. But the good news is, though we're condemned already, though we're headed to a horrible place called hell, that doesn't have to be the case for our life. God loved us so much. He said, you know what? I'm going to send my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be celebrating that in just a few months at Christmas time. As he came, perfect God, perfect man, joined in the flesh there, laid in a manger in Bethlehem. And he grew up and lived a sinless, perfect life. And then he said, you know what? I love you so much. I'll give my life for your life. I don't have any sin, but I'll take your sin upon myself. And he submitted himself to that old rugged cross and he shed his precious blood and he died in your place and in my place. And then the third day he arose victorious. And the Bible says if you'll call upon him, if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, he will save you. You know, we're talking about the will of God here. And I want you to know what the will of God is concerning lost people, those who do not know Jesus Christ, those that are destined for hell. You know what his will is? Second Peter, chapter three, verse nine tells us the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us. Watch it. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's will. That men and women and boys and girls and teenagers would turn from their sin and take his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. He loves you. He loves you so much. And he desires to have a personal relationship with you. And so my exhortation to you today, my encouragement today is to turn from your sin to faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, uh, I can tell you what ought to be on your plan for today. What ought to be at the top of your to do list? Place my faith in. In Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse two, for he says in an acceptable time, I have heard you and in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. If you're sitting here thinking, I'm going to wait till I'm older or wait till I'm uh, near death. Friend, you're not promised that you're going to get older. You're not promised you're going to know that day. You're not promised tomorrow. None of us are. Now's the accepted time. And the Bible declares that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so, friend, as you're planning out your life, the very first thing on your list The very first thing in your to-do list today ought to be to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Do it upon him. Do it today. Call upon the Lord. Well, let's talk about planning our life. How do we go about doing this? Well, we do it under the leadership and direction and provision and protection of the Lord. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Beecher once said that if an architect of a house, maybe somebody here, I know we have several that built their own house or you've been involved in having your house built. If the architect has one plan and the contractor has another plan, what's going to happen? 
Big problems. Frustration, confusion, overruns, you name it. And he mentioned the fact that God is the architect of man's life and man is the contractor. I love that picture. God's the architect. It's his will and we're the contractor. And we're to submit to his will in our life. Now, let me me just be honest with you. Does it mean then that if I give my life to the Lord and I want to follow him, that my life from thenceforth onward is going to be smooth and wrinkle free and problem free and easy breezy, just summer in the sun, sunshine and roses? No. No. Why? Because we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. What it does mean, though, is when problems come, when trials come, when diseases come, when issues come, we have the Lord, the architect, if you will, to turn to and lay those burdens upon him and pray for his direction and his help and his provision and his guidance in our life. You see, God's will for you and God's will for everybody is, first of all, to be saved and also to serve him. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Talk about planning your life. I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and that perfect and that acceptable will of God. You see, a lot of folks in life, maybe you, you try to serve as the architect and the contractor. And you're busy trying to get everything lined up here and then execute that plan. Beloved, let me encourage you, resign as being the architect of your life. Say, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life. I'll be the contractor. You tell me what to do, how to live, where to go, uh, how to live my life. And I want to do that as you enable me and as you guide me. How do you plan your life? Well, it says instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Now, I know we have some analytical people, no doubt, here. And you might be thinking, well, does that mean that I always have to say that phrase, God willing or Lord willing or if the Lord wills? I don't think so. I think what we have here is a hard attitude. Now, I think it's good to say that. And I think if you really believe that and you're seeking to live that out, it's going to come out of your mouth from time to time. You're talking about things when you're planning to say God willing and Lord willing and and so forth. And maybe you've met folks and and I try to say it quite often. But If you're not careful, a phrase like that can become very trite and meaningless and monotonous. But we should say it from time to time. Yes. But more importantly, we should live it. Day in and day out. If the Lord wills, I'm going to do this. If the Lord wills, I'm going to do that. If the Lord wills, I'm going to go to such and such a city. If the Lord wills, I'm going to buy and sell. If the Lord wills, I'm going to make a profit. It's a hard attitude. It's living life under the direction of the Lord Jesus. O.S. Hawkins tells the story of a man who was riding his motorcycle along a country road who stopped to talk with a preacher in the churchyard. And the preacher was talking to him. He inquired. The man said he was going to town to sell his motorcycle. And uh, that preacher, kind of paraphrasing James 4.15, said, Well, you ought to say, I'm riding into town to sell my motorcycle if it be the Lord's will. Well, this biker rolled his eyes and he laughed and he mocked the preacher's words. And then he roared off down that two-lane country road headed to town. Well, 
Fast forward to later that afternoon, the preacher is out sitting on the front porch just before the sun went down. And he's looking down that long road and he sees a man stumbling and staggering from one side of the road to the other. And the preacher stood up and began to look down the road, as you know, you, would, you and I would do. And he recognized eventually it was the man he had talked to on the motorcycle earlier that day. He noticed that the knees of his pants were torn open, exposing skin legs. His arm was in a makeshift sling. His shirt was torn off half his back. His face was swollen black and blue. His hair was a mess. His elbows and his forearms were covered with blood and little pieces of gravel. And he runs up and says to this poor biker, what happened? Well, the man replied, after I left you. I was on my way to town and a big storm came up and I tried to outrun it. But the rain began to fall like lumps of lead. And I was I was going around a big curve. I hit some loose gravel. and The motorcycle slid out from under me. He said I skidded more than 100 yards, 100 feet on the pavement. And I managed to get up. But the motorcycle was a total loss. He said somehow I staggered to a nearby farmhouse. And as I walked up and uh, to the door, a frightened woman met me at the front door point with a shotgun pointed in my direction. Maybe he was riding around here. I don't know. Uh, he said, I started running and she started shooting. He said, I ran through the brush and briars and got all scratched up. Finally, I came into a clearing and found a tree to shield me from the rain that was still pounding. And as I stood there picking buckshot out of my back, lightning struck the tree and knocked me out. He said, I came to and in a day simply started walking down the road. The preacher, he said, where are you going now? The man said, I'm going home. And then he had, then he added, if it be the Lord's will. <laughs> Beloved. The best way to plan your life is to give your life to Jesus Christ and follow him. There's no greater counsel than that, in my opinion, because it comes from God's word. Give your life to Jesus Christ and follow him. And yes, it may lead to the big city and it may lead to that business and it may lead to buying and selling and it may lead to making a profit. It may lead many ways in many areas of life. But that's the best way to plan your life, to live every day and every moment for his honor and his glory. We don't know what tomorrow holds for any of us. We live in a very uncertain world. We Americans understand that, I think, now more than we ever have in our life. We think back to 9-11 that many years ago, and it forever changed our life, forever changed our outlook on life. We realize just how uncertain and how fragile life is. And we don't know what tomorrow holds for us, but we can know the one who holds tomorrow. And he'll hold you and he'll hold me if you'll give yourself to him. The best plan for your life is to give it to Jesus Christ and follow him. Let him be the architect. And you, you just be the contractor and serve under his direction and guidance. And that is how to plan your life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? Nobody looking around. Nobody shuffling papers. Nobody getting ready to leave. Just take a moment. And in the quietness of this moment, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you, have you submitted your life to Jesus Christ? Has there ever been a time where you realized that you were a sinner, you were lost, 
You couldn't save yourself. But you realize that Jesus died for you and shed his precious blood and arose victorious for you. And you realize the Bible says if you would turn from your sin and take Christ as Lord and Savior, he would come into your life and give you forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven. If you can't say for certain that that's been done in your life, I want to encourage you to do that right now. I'd like to lead you in a prayer if you'd like to pray it. Now, listen, I'm going to invite you in a moment. I'll be honest with you. After we've uh, had this time of prayer together, when we're singing the closing song to come and let me shake your hand and welcome you and pray for you and rejoice with you. We'd like to give you some literature to help you begin growing in your Christian life. But right now, I just want to talk to you right where you are. If God is working on your heart right now and you know that you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, this is serious business. This is not a light, flippant thing. This is not something we mock at. But if you're serious today, as God is dealing with your heart and you know you need to be saved, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. And you can pray it right there in your seat, right where you are. And you're not talking to me and you're not talking to anybody else but the Lord. You can pray a prayer like this and you can pray it right there where you are. If you'd like to pray it, I want to lead lead you in it. You can pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God and you die to forgive me of my sins. I know I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me. The best way I know how, Lord, I turn from my sin and I receive you into my life as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. I want to live the rest of my life for you. And I ask this in Jesus name. Now, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, well, every head is still bowed and every eye is still closed. I want to rejoice with you right now. And again, I'm going to invite you in a moment to come and I'd love to shake your hand and give you some literature and help you to begin to grow. But I wonder right now, did anybody here just pray that prayer? Would you just slip your hand up and say, preacher, I prayed that prayer and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Hold it high. All right. Anybody else? I see that one. You put it down. Anybody else? Lift your hand up between you and me and the Lord. I prayed that prayer. I received Jesus Christ this morning. Anybody else? Father, I thank you for the one or two that I saw. Lord, there may have been others here today. Lord, this is not about, I know, lifting a hand or anything like that. It's about turning a heart towards you. And Father, as you continue to work in hearts and lives here, I pray your will be done. And I pray that anyone who needs Christ will pray to receive Christ here again this morning. Now, Father, I pray that you would help us all never to be ashamed of Jesus, but Lord, to follow him and stand for him. And we ask this now. Before we say amen, I wonder if maybe you're a Christian here. Maybe God has spoken to your heart. Maybe you've been living, even though you're a child of God, you've been living like a practical atheist. You never, ever say there is no God. You never, never verbalize that or even want to think that. But your life, you've been living like that. You've been living day in and day out, not acknowledging his lordship in your life. And maybe God's spoken to your heart, child of God. And you've been reminded today that you need to submit to his lordship afresh and anew in your life. And I wonder if I could pray with you about that. 
Christian, would you slip your hand up and say, listen, God spoke to my heart today about some things. And I'd appreciate you to remember me in prayer. I won't call your name out. I'll just pray for you in general as we close the service. Any Christians like that? Preacher, pray for me. God spoke to my heart today as I listened to the sermon. Anybody like that? All right, I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that one. Anybody else? This is Christians. Anybody else? I see that one. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ as you've spoken to their heart today. And Lord, I pray for whatever the need may be that you would just uh, meet the need and help them, Lord, to follow you. Lord, I pray personally that you would help me to follow you every day of my life. Lord, I give you my life afresh and anew today. And I thank you for life. And Lord, though it's uncertain and though it's short, we know that we have a surety and a steadfastness and a stableness because of you. And we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know you, the one who holds tomorrow. So, Father, I pray that you bless the remainder of this invitation. Help us, Lord, to follow you in your spirit's leading. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to sing a closing song. It's number 407, Because He Lives. If you were saved today, I'd love to welcome you. And uh, we would encourage you to come. We'd like to rejoice with you and give you some literature. If you want to come and pray today, the altar's open. But 407 is the closing hymn, Because He Lives. We can pray with you today. You come. Let's stand and sing, Because He Lives.
and victory. We know the Lord. Sing it out. 